We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk podcast. Well, as soon as you know, I will not be here tomorrow or Monday. I uh, have a golf lesson at the Butch Harmon School of Golf in Henderson, Nevada, and tickets to you 2 at Sphere tomorrow night. So. Okay, I am excited about you going to Sphere. I really want to hear about that. You don't want to hear about my golf lesson on I Tuesday mean, when I'm back? That that's like not fascinating. Half an hour of that or something? Uh-huh. No, we'll report back. And you know, I think I told you this off the air yesterday, but our friend Tim Summer, who is, um, well, he Tim's credits are amazing. He, he discovered Hootie and the Blowfish and wrote a, a book about that, but he was back in the MTV days at the very beginning. Um, he writes now for the Rock and Roll Globe, but his musical stories are just fascinating. And he just happened to post something on the Facebook yesterday that I mentioned or that I saw where when he was 19 years old and Bono and The Edge were basically the same age, there was a time where he was in a hotel room with those guys and they were basically playing new music to him. And he can't even remember the songs because it was so surreal and bizarre. bizarre. But he even remembers saying something like, man, you know, this could be a really interesting moment if these guys turn out to be like a huge rock act because you didn't know at the time. I'm not even doing that story justice, but we'll um, we'll hear from Tim once I'm back from this show this weekend. We'll we'll talk about it. and my golf lesson. We'll probably do a couple of segments on that. On that topic, though, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Katrick will be with us from PGA Tour Radio later this hour. Brian's awesome. Um, we're going to talk about the new golf ball rules. They're confusing, and then John Rahm might be ditching out to the Saudi LIV League, which is confusing to me because I thought the two were merging, and there's some nuance to that that Brian They're will not? explain. Oh, well, okay. there's. Some people think the ROM thing is a little pressure by LIV to say, okay, let's get moving here with this contract because they're coming up on a deadline of the end of the month. Uh, Phil Holloway from Fox is going to jump on with us here in just a couple of minutes. Before that, I, I saw Bill Malusian is doing, I mean, amazing work down at the border. I think it should be required viewing for everyone who's American yeah. in this country, like those of us who are legal, because you should see what's happening at the border, not only with the migrants from you know, Mexico, Honduras, the rest of Central America, but now you have long lines of Africans and Chinese nationals. Now, look, I've said this many times before. I get why people want to come here for a better life, et cetera. But listen to where they want to go, Sue. Like, what would be at the top of your list? If you're coming from Senegal, for example, where do you want to go in this country? So these are some of the answers here. Where in the United States do you want to go? Detroit. California. New York City. Nueva York. New York City. I have family members there. A Miami. Y a donde vas en los Estados Unidos? ¿Qué ciudad? Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. Ha, what? <laughs> that That's poor guy. That's interesting. Did the first guy say Detroit? Let's see here. Where in the United States do you want to go? Detroit. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking some... Well, that, Detroit's not what it used to be. I was going to say, that's interesting, too. I mean, these people have some knowledge of... Yeah. yeah you, know, you know what city is the new Detroit? 
Uh, our city, oh. unfortunately. I right. mean, I, I'm, I'm not even joking about that just because of the reputation with crime. But Omaha, that's... I, Warren Buffett, maybe? Maybe he knows Warren Buffett. I'm not sure. A little bit more. Miami. Oklahoma. He what? Azur, Carolina. Nobody said St. Louis, damn it. Nobody said St. Louis. So on that front, I talked about this either yesterday or the day before. And this is something else that I would at least hope and pray gets a lot of media attention. And if it doesn't, we'll see if it manifests itself at the poll. African-American residents of Chicago are livid. They are pissed with all the migrants moving into parks, et cetera, where they pay taxes. So this is, I don't even know who this woman is, but man, does she go off and listen to the message here. Any Republican candidate in the city of Chicago, now is your time because we are done with the Democrat hey, Party. Right. Right. Johnson, Governor right. right. and President right. Biden have showed right. us right. what they think about the black community How about you that? got the Republicans yeah. on one side and the Democrats on the other side. Now, she, she doesn't say she's going to rip Republicans here, too. And look, I, I do that. I did that earlier today. She knows that both sides do things. But what her call is for, hey, you're, you know, and I think this has existed for a while. We'll see if people actually take action. It's easy to say this at a microphone, but you're, you're taking us for granted, Democrats. Guess what? They're part of the same bird. That's right. Yeah, so that's when she ripped the uh, Republicans' butt. So it doesn't matter anymore which party we go with. But I'll tell you this, I'd rather deal with the snake that's outfit himself of the Republican Party than the snake that's covered up in the Democratic Party. We're not going to continue to stand for this. We're not going to continue to allow our state representatives, our congressmen, our aldermen, and our mayor to let us know that we don't matter. Just like you're going to show us that we're going to matter, we're going to show you. It's going to be a great day in the city of Chicago when the Democratic Convention comes here and then they found out in March that a lot of black voters took Republican ballots. Deal with that. Yeah, well, you know, and Good the she mentioned where the convention is. That that's fascinating because who long who knows how long that lasts. And this is anecdotal. It's just one group of people. But you're seeing neighbors and people that are gathering at you know some of these um, schools, et cetera, meetings, city council meetings. They're just pissed, and they should be. They should be. They absolutely should be. So we'll follow that. By the way, I'm guessing some of this will be discussed, even though I won't be here on the roundtable tomorrow. Mike Elam will fill in. He's going to do a great job. Jane will be here. Uh, Mark Carter from the county council. Ted House, who's a a circuit court judge, used to be a state senator. You still have Paul Hall in entertainment and Kusumano with sports tomorrow at 445. Okay, I think we got Phil Holloway on the line with us. Fox News analyst, of course. He has been with us for many, many years talking about some of the craziness across the country. Phil, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. Hope everyone's all well in St. Louis. We are well here in St. Louis. In fact, we have a beautiful, beautiful, I guess it's still fall, right? It's not officially winter. It feels like winter sometimes. You get warmer temps down where you are. It's been a little chilly here lately. Yeah, this is the time of year where everybody, you know, you, you get you get colds and flu just because the weather changes, uh, you know, uh, every 10 minutes, I think. It's either cold or warm or really windy or something. Well, on that front, let's start a little bit here with COVID because you and I over the years have spent a lot of time talking about the COVID mandates and all that nonsense. I know you tweeted, and I think I retweeted the other day about this. There's another mass study that shows how right some of us were, right, Phil? 
<laughs> well, you know, and, and the thing about this one is it's, it's peer-reviewed. All the big hoopla, everybody says, oh, well, that's not peer-reviewed, and, you know, you got to wear a mask and all this stuff. But those of us who knew from the very beginning that uh, this was all junk science, uh, you know, we, of course, feel vindicated. But, of course, you're never going to hear the end of it. Just today, I think, the CDC Director Cohen was was out there saying, because it's cold and flu season, uh, you know, everybody is recommended to wear masks. Well, look, for the entire uh, lifespan of the United States and as long as we've had a CDC, this was never, ever uh, even a thought about to, to be mass recommenda- recommended like this by the CDC until 2020 when it became politically correct to do so. And so now, unfortunately, I think this message uh, is something that the CDC is just going to have to run with or is going to run with until there's a, a top-to-bottom overhaul of that, that agency. You know, I, I think it was yesterday, and I can't guarantee you that it was in the New York Times, the New York Times, the Washington Post, or the L.A. Times, one of those. And it was, you know, about how COVID is rearing its ugly head. And they had all these lists in there of things you should do. And I thought it was funny because they were preaching about masks. But then there was this little note in there that said, well, you know, if you're at the airport and uh, you do this, and then they talked about the airplanes themselves, and they admitted that, you know, the airplane ventilation is pretty good. I mean, the way I interpreted the line was, yeah, we were pretty dumb to require even – you know, kids as young as four and five, like my daughter at the time, to ride on airplanes with masks. You know, I agree. And look, here's the thing. I always say that if you're going to to make a scientific recommendation or let alone you know, a mandate, right, I think that the burden of proof has to be on the proponent of the intervention to prove that it's going to work and that it's it's going to be more beneficial than it is harmful. And we could spend an entire uh, show, you and I, I think, talking about, I think, you know, the harms of masks. It's not a harmless intervention. But if you're going to, to say that we, we're going to have to mandate these things, you've got to be able to put your money where your mouth is and prove that there's going to be some benefit uh, in return. Otherwise, it's just a mandate for the sake of mandating. And I think in the very beginning of COVID, uh, there was a lot of this idea that we have to do something just to do something yes. because otherwise we look, we look feckless. Yeah. And in fairness, look, I, I always allow for a little wiggle room there. Right. Um, but, but after about a month, certainly after two months, it became very clear. Some of the things that were going on. One of my favorite moments is still, and you know, in that piece that I just referenced, they were talking about hand washing. Now, Phil, I recommend that people wash their hands. I wash my hands, right? But it's not going to do you a bit of good with the coronavirus. And, you know, people still do all the same things that they were told. And you had this story about the New York subway and how the virus was found. It lived for three days and all this. No one ever got it from surfaces. We were wasting our time with that. But, again, they they still like to talk about that, I think, as well. Well, you know, that was one of the things that early on we we learned that uh, that that you're not going to get this from from surfaces. It, it's something more than that. And here's the thing: look, it, this, this is just common sense. It goes back to basically every germ that spread, uh, you know, in the air from from time it, it, going back to the beginning of time. It, things linger in the air; they just do. And if you exist in society, you're going to interact with the things that are floating around in the air and they're germs and people are going to get sick. And we just have to learn to live with it and stop panicking. That was the thing that we did with COVID. It was a panic move. And God forbid we ever have to repeat any of that stuff. 
Phil Holloway back with us this afternoon. As I started the show yesterday, and it's interesting, the, the news cycle is fascinating. There's big stories, and then when we find out a little bit more, they kind of go away. There's a couple of examples of that, including the Arlington explosion. Now, I'll get back to that in a second. But yesterday, there was confusion on the campus of UNLV. There was a shooter. And, you know, I covered that at the beginning of the show, Phil. Didn't really hear much about it. I woke up this morning. I'm tooling around. And then I find out, I see this reference that the guy who was the shooter is 67 years old. That doesn't really fit the profile of some of these shootings. So what do we know about this? Yeah, he apparently has taught, uh, I think he studied at the University of Georgia here close to where we are. And I think maybe taught there at some point in time. And you know, the thing that I, I noticed immediately, as you pointed out, is it doesn't fit what we generally would expect uh, in these type of things. But it, in a way, it kind of does. From the 10,000-foot level, I mean, it may not be the same age group and everything like that, but mental illness uh, is, is not discriminated. doesn't discriminate. It, it, it affects all sorts of people, all genders, all races, all ages. And 67-year-old professors are uh, unfortunately uh, prone to mental health issues just like everyone else in America and in the world. And so if you look at it through that lens, the common denominator in all of these seems to be mental health and mental illness. And until we uh, as a society figure out what the, what the answer is to that, um, you know, we, we can expect other people to continue to uh, act out in ways that are uh, you know, not what we want them to do and perhaps even violent, but, but mental illness, I think is the common denominator. And, you know, as, as people age, it's, it's a known fact that depression sets in and anxiety, people have depression over getting older. It could be a combination of any of those things. Well, look, I, and I'm someone who's been very public in the past couple of years, about eight years ago, I think it might be almost close to nine. Now I, I suffered, I'd had anxiety my entire you know, adult life that I'd struggled with, but then it really kind of whacked me mixed with depression. And luckily I was very fortunate. I got help. I still see my shrink. I'm, you know, I'm not going to ever say that I'm completely <laughs> cured of these things because I think they always linger, but I know how devastating it can be and how dark of a hole people can get into. And the one thing that I've realized, Phil, over the years is that, you know, I, I, and I'll be honest with you, when this happened to me, I called in some favors because I was having an issue. You know, you try to call and make an appointment. Okay. We can give you an appointment in three months or in four months or in five, you know, yeah. that's not going to work for a lot of people. So one of the things that we have to do is prioritize this. And I don't see any real effort to do that in this country. No, and, and we don't. And that's, that's what is, is so sad. In my line of work, I deal with people who suffer from uh, all manners of, of diagnosable DSM-5 type disorders, whether it be substance abuse disorder or uh, depression, generalized anxiety disorder, or a mixture. It's, there's usually lots of comorbidities with these things, and they're, they're all kind of blend together. And over the last, let's face it, the last several years um, with COVID and, and the societal unrest that we see, it is a challenge. I was in an elevator today in a courthouse with a court reporter who I've known for years. And, and once a couple of people cleared out and it was just she and I alone in that uh, elevator, um, you know, she made some comments to me that basically signaled to me that, you know, she is she's struggling right now. Um, and maybe not in an extremely serious way. I certainly hope not. But just the, the comments that that you can tell that people uh, oftentimes you never know what's going on with them. Their outward appearance can be. Oh, I agree uh, with that. Deceptive. Yep. Very, I, very deceptive. You just don't know what kind of deep, dark hole they're going into. 
Phil, nobody knew when I, when I was going through this. And, and I'm telling I would go, I'd pull into the parking lot every day. I would get up in the morning. I'd be in the shower. I'm like, I don't think I can get through the day. I don't think I can do my radio show. I'd get here. I was on the KMOX set at the time. I'd be in my car. I'd sit there for a while and be sweating, thinking, I can't do this. I'd come in and somehow, somehow I would, you know, start the show. And then once the show started and I was a little calmer, I got through it. But people really di- didn't know. I hit it. I think I hit it pretty well, but it's, I think what you said there is absolutely right. We don't know. You know, you see people all the time, even, even close friends and family members. So be on the lookout for these things. One more topic, Phil Holloway, because this is another one that disappeared. I guess they're still looking at this home explosion in Arlington from Monday night. That was a big, big boom. And then that story kind of went away. But the guy that lived in the house, some somewhat questionable, James Yu, he's 56, not a young guy either. And he had some erratic postings and things like that. Do you know anything else at this point? You know, I've been, I agree. I've been monitoring it and it's, it, it, the, the silence on it is, is now deafening. I saw that explosion. I'm not an, ex, an expert in, in, um, you know, explosive materials, but, but look, that, that doesn't seem like something that can be caused by a, a meth lab. Maybe it can. It didn't seem like something that could even be caused by, you know, they, they were saying, well, you're firing a flare gun. Well, maybe, but you're going to have to have the entire house basically filled with some kind of explosive or, or natural gas. Maybe that was it. But that took out the entire duplex. I mean, it was it was amazing. It's like some of the some of the explosions that you see on the news coming out of Gaza yeah. in the Middle East right now. It was really, really a giant explosion, and it's not the kind of thing that you normally see with with a gas line. But hey, I'm not the expert. I do want to hear what's uh, What's what the investigation reveals? Hopefully, it was nothing sinister. But of course, in the day and age that we live in, you just never know. Yeah, you and don't. that's the thing that's on everyone's mind. Hey, did you uh, check out the debate last night? You know, the debate last night was was really something else. And I think that if we can just get into politics real quick. I think that the Republican Party needs to go ahead and consolidate. Uh, you know, some of the the candidates that aren't getting any traction. Um, Chris Christie, for example, maybe needs to go ahead and, and, and hang it up because if anybody is going to uh, you know get out and, and be competitive with the front runner Donald Trump, they're going to need to, to defragment, so to speak, the Republican candidates. Um, and so we have too many of them. I think the ones that are not going to be viable in the long haul need to go ahead and do the right thing and bow out so that um, some of the ones that do have a, a chance at, at maybe pulling ahead or being competitive so that we can we can see uh, exactly which way this primary is going to go. But I think for now, um, one or two at least probably need to go ahead and um, suspend their campaigns. I don't want to name any names, <clears throat> the vacant Chris Christie. But yes, I would agree with you, Phil Holloway. You have a great week and an awesome weekend. We will talk soon, Mr. Holloway. You got it. Take care, buddy. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Las Vegas this weekend to see you too at Sphere, but also taking a uh, golf lesson at the Butch Harmon School in Henderson. I got a guy that I love out there, John Horseman, who's a PGA pro. And I love the game, but I'm so confused right now. There's weird things happening in the world of golf, considering rules for the golf ball. And now John Rahm is ditching out to LIV. Brian Katrick from PGA Tour Radio with us, hopefully to explain it all tonight. Brian, how are you? Mark, it is an honor. I'm thrilled to be back with you, although, you know, somewhat controversial circumstances. Yeah, I would say, now I'm going to tell you, you know I'm a huge fan, uh, not only of golf, but I, I love listening to you guys on PGA Tour Radio, although my schedule doesn't quite coordinate with when you're on the show, Brian, anymore. But this whole thing with the golf ball, and even as someone like me who follows the sport and I watch the tour and I, you know, I pay attention, I don't really understand what's happening here, and I think it's caught a lot of people off guard. So can you explain what the USGA is doing with this rollback rule? Right. So the golf ball is the one piece of technology that has just continued to evolve and probably faster than anything else. Uh, you go back and you look at the, uh, the the irons that Tiger plays. They look very similar to the irons that Arnold Palmer played. Uh, now, the woods are different. We'll get to that. But it's it's the golf ball. You know, the iron heads that Tiger has look very similar to the iron heads that Bobby Jones played with. But, but you know, Bobby Jones had wooden shafts in his club. So lots of things have evolved, but nothing has evolved as fast or as effectively as the golf ball. So... Uh, you know, it, it, what's happened is it takes more skill to hit a five iron than it does to hit a pitching wedge. But if the ball's going so far and these best players in the world can just continue to bash the ball out there long distances, then they don't ever have to hit too many five irons. Well, that's true. Any. Yeah. And, and so now what you've done is you've removed some of the skill from the game, the skill of being able to, to hit a shot uh, a different direction or a different trajectory or just with a longer, tougher-to-hit club. Uh, because you're now not hitting that club anymore. The the only club you had to learn how to hit was the driver, which was the hardest club in the bag to hit, but over time has now become the easiest club in the bag to hit. So uh, so hitting the center of the face doesn't matter. You've got this ball that goes a long way. So the amount of skill that it took to play the game in 1975 is less skill than it's going to take to play the game in 2025. Which is good for someone like me who has no skill, but when, when it comes to reducing the overall distance of the ball, so what specifically are they, are they doing? And what I mean, one of the stories I read says, the decisions by the ruling bodies comes after nearly three years of notice and comment with equipment manufacturers and other industry stakeholders. So what was driving this, and then what specifically will happen? And this, by the way, this isn't just for tour pros, right? This, these changes would be for everybody? Yeah, there's a whole lot uh, going on there, right? So they announced that they were going to look into this in 2018. They had come to the conclusion to a conclusion by the beginning of 2020. And about the time they were ready to announce their conclusion, there was a world shutdown. You may have, you yeah. may have heard about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you were all over it on this program. And so was everybody else. So they shut the world down. 
and and they didn't, you know, governing bodies wisely said, let's let's leave this alone here for a little bit. And by the way, little wrinkle, uh, we were very very blessed in the game of golf because we were outside. You didn't have to get anywhere near anybody. You didn't share any equipment. It was really nice and caused another boom to the game. Uh, so we get through that, and they waited until now to go ahead and share what they what they found. And the idea is that. You know, if the baseball had continued to change over the years, then you don't get to play in Yankee Stadium anymore. You know, the baseball changes every year, but it's it's controlled, and we don't play it on Saturdays. And and they the yeah, right, exactly. control over it. Yeah, you know, if they want, yeah, if they, and everybody plays the same one. In this case, the the, the ball changes hadn't changed in twenty some odd years, yet the manufacturers continue to find a better way, you know, to make it. And the driver heads, as we said, kept getting bigger and more forgiving. So if you started to lose some of your classic ballparks, which is what was happening, then folks would panic. So so that's what they did. And they said, look, we've got to, we've got to put a stop to this. And the way they're doing it is it's the way they're testing the golf ball. The current golf ball is tested. It's get, it gets hit by a robot at, at 120 miles an hour of, of swing speed. Mm-hmm. They get the robot to swing at 125, 120 miles an hour, and the ball can only fly 317 yards. And at at that speed, if you fly 300, it's, there's a three yard plus minus, but we'll just keep going. Mm-hmm. You fly past that, it's illegal. So what they're going to do is they're going to make the robot hit at 125 now, but they're leaving the target the same. So now it's going to go five miles an hour faster, but the ball can still only go 317. All right. So what that means is that if your ball that you're playing today was up to the edge at 120, which you hoped that it was, when they swing at 125, it's going to go too far, and, they, and the thought is your ball is going to fail. Uh, I saw one estimate that about 70% of today's golf balls will fail, which, by the way, means you might have, might have one that doesn't fail, and then, then you get to kick yourself because you've been playing a ball that was shorter than everybody else. <laughs> but so what, what I, all of this maybe makes sense to me a little bit when it comes to professional golfers and tournaments, but when it comes to amateur golfers, so one of the things that I saw in um, – in some coverage, if a tour player loses 5% or 15 yards on a 300-yard drive, a recreational player might lose that same 5% on a 225-yard drive or roughly 11 yards. So, obviously, we play, uh, amateur golfers play from different tee boxes, which sometimes, you know, addresses some of these issues. But how, how does that work for amateur golfers the same way it does for professional golfers? Well, and that's, it's such a great question, Mark. And this is where I have been a fan of what they've announced up until this right here. Because there's no one listening to your show other than maybe Jay Williamson, who hits the, <laughs> Hi, Jay. Who, who hits the ball, quote, <laughs> too far. And even Jay doesn't hit it too far, but Jay knows what we're talking about. Everybody else does not hit it too far. Uh, so originally, this was just going to be a, a decision to be made, and we're only going to use this equipment at the elite level, the professional and the elite level. Now, historically, golf has never had a second set of rules to govern the professional game versus the recreational game. They've never had it. And you think of other sports, there's no other sport we keep playing. But when we do, we all have a second set of rules. Our Thanksgiving football game, we didn't have an offensive line out there. We had a five Mississippi rush. You know, golf has never had that. It's always the same thing. And all we do in golf is we choose to ignore some of those rules. If your ball, you don't like the way your ball's sitting in the fairway, you just kind of roll it over. Like I don't you know said. what you're talking you like about, the... Brian. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. That's never happened, right? <laughs> you don't like the back tees, you move up a set of tees. Uh, we all understand what the differences in competition were. Uh, I feel like everybody got it. The governing bodies did not feel like that. And the manufacturers 
did not like that. The manufacturers felt like, and the players themselves also, if you were wearing a hat with a golf ball company's name on it, uh, you felt like, and you were a tour player, you felt like if the world knew you weren't playing the same ball they were, that the manufacturer was going to pay you less. And I completely disagree with that. You know, I'm a NASCAR fan as well. We know that the Mustang that David Gilliland's, uh, Todd Gilliland is driving is not the same as the Mustang I have in my garage. But I love the team and I love the brand and I'm going to get the one that they'll sell me. That's exactly uh, right. Yep. Golf doesn't think that. So this is where I separate from where they have where they have. And been. I'm with you. I'm uh, with you on that. Yeah, I mean, we, we get it. And the thing is, there's no other uh, no other example in all of sports. You know, I guess if we played football, I would wear the same helmet that Peyton Manning wore because I would need to. But I don't. You know, no, there's no other sport <laughs> that we do this in. Uh, and I think we all would have gotten it. And they don't. So they felt like they needed one rule across the entire game so you could measure yourself. You can already still measure yourself. And I don't want to pick on, again, I don't want to pick on any companies. Uh, so golf ball company X, let's just pretend they're the number one ball company in golf. Uh, they've got three great golf balls that are available in stores. Well, they've got at least seven or eight great golf balls on the non-conform or on the conforming list that are allowed to be used on the PGA tour. They got guys out there using a, a ball that they'll never sell. And it's not because it's hotter. It's because it's such, it's launch conditions are so specific that it only applies to these guys. Mm-hmm, you wouldn't need right. it. You'd never buy it. So they don't even put it in the stores. And every every ball company's got that. And and we all already know that. You can't hit Scotty Scheffler's driver. My son's a huge Scotty Scheffler fan. But he's also six inches shorter than Scotty. His swing speed's 10 miles an hour less. And my son is left-handed. So he can't hit Scotty Scheffler's driver. But he loves Scotty Scheffler, and he wants all of his stuff. And so that's what he's got. So we as fans get this. They don't think that we as fans get the get this, and that's why this rule has to apply to everybody, and that's the only part of this rule that I don't like. Yeah, wow. That's interesting, though. I love the explanation. Brian Katrick from PGA Tour Radio. Let me ask one more question. Oh, by the way, here's something interesting. I saw this. In Golf Digest, they did a survey this week. 600 people responding. 64% said they would not abide by the rules that reduce the ball distance. So that's consistent with amateur golfers, I would say, based on what you were saying earlier. One more point of confusion here. This was in a Wall Street Journal story from a couple of days ago. It said the bombshell rumor gripping professional golf whispers about number three, John Rahm, joining Saudi-backed Live Golf have become the talk of the sport. So, again, confused. I thought there was a little bit of a merger here. How does this work out with John Rahm potentially ditching out of the PGA? Help me out with that one. Right. So here's where all here's where all the bodies are buried. Uh, they, there is a potential. It's not necessarily a merger, but they are coming together. They got out of court. So uh, and the court was uh, court's lawsuit was dismissed with prejudice, so they can't sue each other anymore. Uh, that's nice. That saves the PGA Tour a ton of money. Live doesn't seem to have a money problem. Um, but the the announcement that they are expected to make was going to be by December 31st. Hey, we're getting together. We'll tell you how by December 31st. Well, what that means is that if they get it done, well, then technically, sort of, kind of, everybody's a live player. They say live will still exist. Who knows? We, we don't know what's going to come out of that room by December 31st. And a lot of folks don't even think it's going to happen by mm, December 31st. But if it does, everybody's a live player. Everybody can play both tours, which means these gigantic money offers are going to go away. You'll still get paid and you're going to get paid handsomely. But the numbers, you know, the thoughts were I had heard 300 million, you know, the, the, the world had heard 300 million for Hideki Matsuyama. 
uh, we heard 300 million for John Rahm. The number for everybody else was in the 100 million, 100, 100 to 25, something like that. Still, nothing. You're, you're going to get out of bed for that money. Uh, but if everybody gets together and everybody's friends, the number won't be anywhere near that anymore. John Rahm made $39 million from the PGA Tour last year. He made 30 on the golf course and he made nine in the PIP. Uh, if it's a $100 million deal and it's spread over four years, you're actually going to make more money as a PGA Tour player than you would as a live player. So that's, uh, th- these are all rumors, but that's why the rumors are going on. It's why they make sense. Again, the rest of it is John Rahm's agent uh, is Phil Mickelson's agent. So all the rumors start to check out or they, they start to make sense because, you know, could they get to him? Does, does he have a connection to that situation? Oh, yeah. And he has since the get-go. So, and if you're John Rahm, your last chance at getting $300 million yeah. just like that is to sign this deal before the agreement gets signed. But that works both ways. You know, Liv, Liv would have to know that, hey, maybe we don't have to throw this money at him. We might be able to get him for far less than that in a month. Interesting. So we'll see. Hey, how'd you, how'd you think Tiger looked last weekend? They looked great. Uh, the walking was great. Uh, he was only over par in one of the three rounds. Uh, I would like to have seen him be more under par. You know, you may not know. John and I did the event, so the 15th hole just took Tiger apart. Um, so a lot of rust, but he's healthy. He never once winced. He didn't limp. Uh, that guy looked good. That guy looked that's like he awesome. can win a PGA Tour event. Yeah. I, did got, I did not get a chance to watch watch any of it last weekend, but that's great to great to hear. Brian Katrick, thank you so much. And by the way, whenever I hear he referred to John, John McGinnis, his partner on PGA Tour Radio, I always feel like, and this has to be true, that you're both sitting there doing the show in your Mark Reardon Show t-shirts that I sent you. That happens, right, on a regular Constantly. basis? Constantly. <laughs> yes. John, John changed his to a tank top. Oh, that's a great image, Katrick. Let me tell you, Brian, thank you so much for the updates. This helped quite a bit. we got a lot of fans of uh, certainly golf in the area. And what's funny about your Jay Williamson references, I just saw him about six months ago, which is, which is funny. They don't come any nicer than Jay Williamson. I don't know him very well, but I had a chance to say hi. And I think every once in a while he does listen, Brian Katrick. Thank you so much. You have a great December, great holiday period. You got it. You too, Mark. You know, C went to that Steelers game a few weeks ago, and their chances at the playoffs at that point were relatively good. Not so much anymore, unfortunately. They play tonight on Amazon Prime Thursday Night Football against the lowly Patriots. Remember, we're all old enough to remember when the Patriots just dominated everything. This may, I don't know, this may be Bill Belichick's last year. Uh, It may be, and that would, was it Brady? That's the question. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Yeah. I think he might have helped win a few of those rings. There's no doubt. They have issues, but obviously it's a a rebuilding phase, as they say. Uh, I'm out for a couple of days. I'll be back on Tuesday afternoon. I still think it's crazy. I mentioned this to Abby and Sue. Um, I'm just running through my schedule, what I have to do after the show, and my daughter is about to start swim practice at Rockwood Summit for the Rockwood Swim Club. And I did that last Thursday, too. But also what I did was I I wanted to get Kilmeade a city um, jersey, sweatshirt or jersey. Right. So I, I had or very kit. little time, and I decided I went to, there's a rally house by Gravoy Bluffs, and I had just enough time, and that's what I did. And I only bring it up because I can't believe that was already a week ago. I know, it's and weird. We had, we had Brian on the air earlier today. It is, it is weird. weird. That was a very, very fast week. Uh, but Mike Elam is going to fill in tomorrow. He will have a roundtable in the 3 o'clock hour. Jane will still be here. Mark Carter from the St. Louis County Council. Ted House, who is a former state senator. Sue will have Sue's News in the 4 o'clock hour. Paul Hall with Entertainment and Kusumato as here, uh, will be here as well in the 4 o'clock hour. And then they got, uh, Mike's got Jim Wilde with East West Gateway 
in the five o'clock hour. Send me a picture from inside the sphere. Oh, which I can't you wait know to I'm see. Fascinated by. Can't wait to see what it looks like and and everything about that. Um, going to see a Golden Knights game. Golden Knights pounded the Blues last night. The Blues got them on Monday night, but I've never seen the Golden Knights play out there, so we're doing that on Sunday. Going to Roy Choi's Best Friend, which is a great restaurant. Roy Choi's the guy that brought Roy like the Choi's food truck, best friend. the food truck move into L.A. Roy oh. Choi, that was Roy Choi. He's on a lot of the cooking. Shows, so we're going to go to Best Friend, which I have been to several times before. Uh, my second home, as I like to call yeah, it, Las it really Vegas. is. <laughs> All right, let's see. I switched off my screen here, but I do have to do this. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. All right, here's my weekend gift since I'm ditching out early. One a little heavier, one a little lighter. So an audio daily double for audio cut of the day. I really didn't touch on the debate from last night very much, mainly because... I don't think it makes a difference. I watched a fair portion of it. They were just beating the crap out of Nikki Haley. The only person more fascist than the Biden regime now is Nikki Haley. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. Nikki Haley, she caves anytime the left comes after her, anytime the media comes after her. Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the UN. After you left the U.N., you became a military contractor. Now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. You would be voted in the first 20 minutes as the most obnoxious blowhard in America. So <laughs> shut up for a He has insulted Nikki Haley's basic intelligence, not her positions, her basic intelligence. I love all the attention, fellas. We want- All right, well, I got to get to the second part, so I have to cut it off. But, uh, yeah, they kind of beat up on on Nikki. But Jimmy Kimmel told the story about Norman Lear, who died at the age of 101. I got to get this in here. For the holidays, the year before last, my wife and I sent him a shirt. Uh, this shirt, Norman effing Lear on it. And he loved it. He wrote us a note, a thank you note. I want to share that with you. It said, Dear Molly and Jimmy, I can't believe this sweatshirt it's something i've always wanted more than i can tell you guys are the best and i wish you the dearest sweetest greatest the holiday season in the history of holiday seasons signed norman f lear he never said goodbye he'd say to be continued and over and next and so that's how we'll leave it to be continued over and next well norman lear a man after my own heart very fond Fondness in my heart for oh. that F-bomb. Well, not for Norman, but for Norman, too. But I, I thought that was funny. And, of course, um, when Jimmy talks about Molly, Molly McNearney was from right here in, in St. Louis. Louis. Sue, I will send greetings from the desert. We'll talk yes. on Tuesday afternoon. Audio Cut of the Day is sponsored by my friends at the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.